Welcome to Game Changers. I'm your host, Tom Parkin. Thanks for joining. What's at the heart of reconciliation? Is it changing Canada's policies and institutions or people's hearts and minds? In June 2015, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, led by now Senator Marie Sinclair, said Indigenous Canadians were targeted for cultural genocide and issued 94 wide-ranging calls to action. Max Binday is a Broadman Institute Fellow and Executive Director of Canadian Roots Exchange, which brings Indigenous and non-Indigenous people together around reconciliation through exchanges and a youth reconciliation initiative. And he brings us his perspective on reconciliation right now. Max Finday, thanks for joining us in Game Changers. It's great to be here. Thanks. Uh, Max, reconciliation is a big word. So big, perhaps some people can't even explain it or picture it. Uh, People may know that there were 94 calls to action in the Truth and Reconciliation Report, but surely can't be blamed for not knowing exactly what they are. Uh, At the most human level, at the day-to-day level, what do you hope reconciliation looks and feels like? Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's the, the million-dollar question. I think that's the question that a lot of Canadians have in their own minds. So often this work can seem um, so big and so systemic that it's hard for, you know, an individual Canadian to think about, you know, what they can do. When I think about um, what reconciliation looks like uh, for us in this moment in time, you know, we still have extraordinary disparities that exist in this country, and maybe people have heard about them in, in education and, you know, um, water and housing and, you know, um, all these sorts of things, quality of life, uh, youth suicide rates, these sorts of things. We need to um, make it a priority for Indigenous people to enjoy the same quality of life that the rest of Canada enjoys. We be a great defender of, of human rights on the international stage. We, we better make darn sure that we can uh, look the rest of the world in the eye and say, this is how we do things um, at home. There is equality at home. And that's something we just, we just can't do right now. Now, what does it look like, you know, for our, our kids and our grandkids? Well, it's going to, it's going to change. You know, we have to remember that Canada has spent, you know, over 150 years trying to trying to um, break down Indigenous nations. You know, we heard that uh, in residential school um, officials saying they wanted to kill the Indian in the child. Sure that we're spending, you know, as many resources, you know, and certainly time um, trying to undo do that work. And that means instilling pride in young people, a sense of identity and and who they are, and also making sure that, you know, young Indigenous people can succeed in Canada without having to give any of those things up. And I think that's where Canadians can play that mentorship role, whether you're in the public sector, the private sector, the nonprofit sector, or or in government, um, finding your own call to action and, and serving that out. Now, you grew up on the Sweetgrass First Nations, which is near Battleford, Saskatchewan, and your dad was a member of the First Nations, but not your mom. Uh, Do you think that personal history has given you an unusual insight on the challenge of reconciliation? Well, you know, I, I, you know, I say that I've been doing reconciliation my whole <laughs> life, right? I, I, I come from Indigenous and, and non-Indigenous families. You know, my mom's side of the family, very proud descendants of Norwegian farmers who came to Saskatchewan in search of, 
a better life, you know, such noble, um, noble ambitions and goals providing for, for the family. Um, you know, I've had to navigate these two worlds and I have a, you know, I have a pretty good understanding of, uh, of, you know, non-Indigenous people in this country. Um, but also that, that strong rootedness of, of spending summers at, uh, at Sweetgrass First Nation, but going to school, um, in, in Saskatoon. And, you know, something that I, I often want to tell um, both sides of my family, both um, parts of this country that I travel through so often is that, you know, we're not so different. Um, we have so much more in common than we do have different. I've seen it my whole life. The problem is we haven't taken the time to, to get to know one another, to understand each other. You know, Canadians have no idea how, how funny and smart and how good looking native people are, you know, and, uh, and, you know, native people in this country, they, they, they often don't, uh, don't get the chance to, um, to, to hear Canadian stories, to participate, um, in the workforce at, uh, at, uh, a level of parity to succeed in this country. I think these are things that we can strive for and achieve to sit down, have a conversation with one another, you know, get to know each other like neighbors really should. Okay, so that really goes to the heart of what you're now doing as Executive Director of Canadian Roots Exchange, which organizes exchange visits between Indigenous people and non-Indigenous Canadians. You also have a uh, a youth reconciliation initiative. Tell us a little bit about the work of Canadian Roots Exchange, and where does that fit into the wider challenge of reconciliation? Yeah, well, you know, I always say that you know, if we're going to get reconciliation right, we need to start with educating young people. And that's exactly what we do at Canadian Roots Exchange. We deliver reconciliation-based programming for Indigenous and non-Indigenous youth right across this country from coast to coast to coast. Because we have to recognize, you know, one of the challenges um, that uh, that we face as, as a country is that my parents didn't, uh, didn't learn about, you know, Indigenous people when they were going to school. Their grandparents didn't. They were robbed of this this great opportunity to learn about who Indigenous people are. So we're trying to make sure that that doesn't happen for this generation. You know, we take um, Indigenous and non-Indigenous youth and we give them the skills that they'll need to be youth reconciliation leaders right in their communities. You know, we we talk to them about what the, the treaty relationship means in 2019. We talk to them about how to access traditional knowledge and, and knowledge keepers, our elders. We talk to Canadian uh, kids, non-Indigenous youth, about, you know, what, how do they confront their their racist uncle when they say something silly about Native people at Thanksgiving dinner. We talk to Indigenous youth about how can they build the confidence of their peers back in their home community so they can see themselves reflected in the success of this country. You know, when I when I get the opportunity to work with young people, Indigenous and not, um, across Canada, um, I hear their stories. You know, and I hear their, their optimism. I also hear the challenges um, that they face in this country. Um, we have to remember that, you know, despite uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission um, being a few years old now, and despite, you know, um, governments uh, and successive, you know, announcements, all these sort of stuff, that reconciliation has not arrived um, for this country yet. And what I'm hearing from youth is that they have um, an optimism, um, but still a work in progress. Yeah, well, for many Canadians, um, the frankly, the history of our culture, uh, of our country, has been suppressed, and in, in many ways, it's only been recently 
that the, especially in Western Canada, the history of, you know, the context of negotiation of treaties has become uh, an object of historical, you know, uh, has been reopened uh, and facts and new truths have been established. So, you know, for those of us who are older Canadians, uh, who frankly were never educated in a way that uh, exposed them to the, you know, the history of our own country. Exactly. Yeah. Now, you, along these lines, you, you recently penned an opinion piece that ran in a Toronto paper, The Star, uh, in which you make an interesting point about the role of education and reconciliation, not just that we need to be better educated about the history of our country, but that Indigenous people, Indigenous uh, teens, young people, put a particular emphasis on education, uh, more so than others. Uh, explain that, and uh, where do you think that comes from? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Canadian Roots Exchange, in partnership with the MassGuard Foundation, the Environics Institute, recently launched the Youth Reconciliation Barometer. And this came from, you know, an idea that I had of how do we measure reconciliation? How will we know once reconciliation has really arrived for our country? How will we know once we've, we've gotten there? You know, and, you know, as I was going across the country, I was asking people, will you know? I don't. Um, so I thought, well, why don't we ask young people about how things are going? You know, 10 years in since the TRC launched their, launched the, their, um, their travels and their work. And, you know, what we found was, you know, extraordinarily interesting. We surveyed, uh, young people from every province and territory, every indigenous group, non-indigenous people, new Canadians, all this sort of stuff. Um, but something of particular interest that, that we found was that when we asked, um, asked young people to, what value they place on education. Indigenous young people actually value education more than non-Indigenous young people. And, you know, um, I think that's interesting for a lot of reasons, but first and foremost, because my people are often seen as the non-achievers, you know, um, as, as people who uh, don't want to succeed. I hear this time and time from Canadians um, that, uh, that Indigenous youth just want to make trouble. But we can see from these statistics that that is not the case. Indigenous young people have hopes and dreams, passions and ambitions, just like every other young person in this country. The problem is that that Canada has been, you know, structured in such a way that, you know, often Indigenous youth don't get um, the, the opportunity to achieve their dreams like mm-hmm. other Canadians, or they have to work twice as hard to get half as much um, I think this is, you know, something for, for us to reflect on as a country and think about whether we work in government, whether we work in the private sector, the public sector or the nonprofit sector. How can we help? How can we help indigenous young people achieve their dreams, you know, achieve their passions, achieve their ambitions? Yeah. And improving the educational experience, the, the, the educational system of Indigenous people in Canada was a major theme of the Truth and Reconciliation Report. Now, that report came out uh, June 2015, so we are now more than four years ago. That's an entire high school life of a person ago. Um, Are there changes apparent? Have we made progress? Are Indigenous teens now living in First Nations community getting the education they deserve? Yeah, well, you know, I think uh, we have a long way to go yet. Um, 
have been uh, advancements and has there been progress made? Absolutely. But I often say that reconciliation is not a straight line. You know, there are going to be steps forward and there are going to be uh, steps back, but that should not deter us from um, the, the work that must get done. You know, too often we see kids in First Nations communities um, who, who don't get the same um, educational standards as other um, young people in rural communities or in, in remote communities. And it's not just that, you know, Indigenous young people need a high school diploma or a GED these days. We need to be actively working to to decolonize the curriculum, to instill, um, you know, identity and values and language and these important things um, for their for their community, for their elders, for themselves um, within the curriculum as well. I'm not sure that we see many um, many communities having the the capacity to weave in traditional knowledge into science and to math and to you know all the curriculum areas. Um, I'm I'm an eternal optimist. You know, I think that we we have this great opportunity as a country to to achieve reconciliation in our lifetime. And that's the goal, reconciliation in our lifetime. Um, but it's going to take some innovative thinking, um, some, you know, some design thinking and uh, and a way to, to tear down what we have that isn't working and build up some ideas from community, from young people about how to make things better. Yeah. Could you just just expand on that uh, idea that you sort of riffed on there for a minute? Your your point was, you know, in the course of education, uh, I guess the, the argument is, you know, education isn't a neutral thing in a way. It's not just, you know, outputs and inputs. Uh, there's, of course, making things relative to your everyday life and to your personal history and your, your culture. So uh, how does that for Indigenous students uh, differ uh, how should it be maybe different for non-Indigenous students, too? Yeah, well, you know, I think um, uh, we, we, as a country, Canada has, you know, um, some reparations uh, that they have to make for, for um, you know, in residential school, killing the Indian that was in the child. That was the explicit mandate we, we've seen, um, you know, uh, from reports of that era. And we have to remember, re- residential school isn't, um, you know, black and white pictures. And, you know, hundreds of years ago, my dad went to residential school and um, and did experience, you know, all the worst of it that you hear um, in the in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. So we have, as a country, um, an obligation to undo that damage and bring it to every Indigenous young person in the schools. You know, for non-Indigenous kids, and these kids could be, you know, descendants of, uh, of Norwegian farmers, like my mom's side of the family, or they could be, you know, first-generation Canadians um, whose family has, uh, has, come from, has come from elsewhere. Um, but they also have an obligation to learn about, you know, Indigenous people. But also in, you know, the treaty areas, what does it mean to be a good uh, treaty partner? And, and um, you know, his ancestors first came uh, and negotiated a treaty with my ancestors. We talked about peace and prosperity and mutual benefits. And I think what a country we would be if we could instill those values into a, into a generation, how much better off we would be, how much more would we understand one another, and, uh, and how much further we could go as a country together, reconciled. Yeah. Now, Canadian Roots Exchange is, uh, I guess you could say, is an activist organization. It's trying to get engaged with communities. 
uh, trying to get people to engage with you. Uh, and no doubt, uh, I would assume, the people who get involved with your exchanges and initiatives already come with a, uh, an idea, a, a, an understanding, and a desire for reconciliation. And I imagine from your position in your organization, you've watched these interactions. You've watched these dynamics through the exchanges and initiatives. Tell me, for non-Indigenous Canadians and for Indigenous Canadians, when you're watching these exchanges, people... Uh, from their home community coming to somebody else's community uh, and finding out about it, finding out about somebody else's family. Uh, what moments do you see as being most pivotal and powerful? When when people really shift from from understanding uh, from understanding reconciliation to really feeling it. Mm. Yeah, you know there are moments in every exchange, whether it's a program or or a conversation, where Canadians. Um, you know, come to terms with the fact that we are not the country that we thought we were. And, you know, in history books, in, in, in discourse and conversations, um, I think there's often the sense that we're proud to be from Canada, you know. Uh, well, for, for starters, we're not the States, you know. And, uh, and, you know, for a second, we like to see ourselves as a, as a country where everybody has what they need, where we take care of one another. Um, we are kind and, and just and apologetic. Um, you know, but we, we, uh, we see during our programs and during conversations that, um, that, you know, Canadians are quite shook when they find out that's not the case, when they find out that, you know, Indigenous people are living in third world conditions. And, uh, I often take this for granted. I live this work every day, but, you know, you'd be surprised at how few Canadians um, understand about conditions on reserve, understand about, you know, the educational disparities that exist, understand that, that uh, you know, Indigenous youth suicide rates in this country are some of the highest in the world. And how do we, how do we take pride in ourselves as a country when we, we have these conditions? How do we reconcile that? You know, when, when Canadians are presented with the truth part of truth and reconciliation, it's incredible to see just how passionate, how fired up, how, how uh, motivated they are to make sure that this doesn't exist for one more generation, not even one more day. We have a, a generation. We have a, uh, an, a group and constituency of allies and indigenous people who are seeking um, justice, who are seeking those, those beautiful things, peace and prosperity and mutual benefit that our ancestors both spoke of at the time of treaty. It's not enough to assign, you know, the, the role of reconciler to our prime minister or our, our member of parliament. Um, it's incumbent upon each and every one of us as Canadians uh, to figure out what is our own personal call to action. How do we advance reconciliation? Um, how do we support this, this beautiful movement? Yeah. Now, your, your organization, Canadian Roots Exchange, uh, your website is rootsexchange. Dot, dot, sorry, what's the, what the website is? Please, Max? CanadianRoots.ca. CanadianRoots.ca. And on the site, there's a, you know, there's information about how you can get involved in the exchanges and how you can get involved in the Youth uh, Reconciliation Initiative. Uh, and there's also information I saw on there about the barometer, which you had mentioned before. Mm-hmm. So, uh, right. you know, I think people can, can get, get engaged and find out more there. But tell us a little bit about what's the newest project, uh, something that you're working on right now. Yeah, 
Well, you know, we were uh, have been really lucky to get some uh, private and government investment to expand our programs. So what we're in the middle of doing right now is reevaluating our programs. What does reconciliation look like today? How has it changed since we launched 11 years ago? And how do we build new programs that respond to the needs of, of young people and to the country? How do we build that generation of youth reconciliation leaders? We're going to be launching our new programs um, at the end of September. So I'd encourage everyone to keep an eye on our website, on our social media channels, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to see what, uh, see what the new programming looks like and how we're going to reconcile within our lifetime uh, leading from youth. Excellent. Well, Max Day, thank you so much for joining us on Game Changers, and good luck with all your work. Thanks so much time for having me on. Terrific. Thank you. Thanks for joining Game Changers. Please subscribe and share this podcast. Let's widen the discussion. Canadians deserve it.